Mondays at 1520. Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biyadro in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Friday, December 16, 2022. Sixteen people were reportedly killed in separate incidents in Juba County last night. The batches, we have about four people killed, and uh, there are about uh, eight uh, currently injured and are in Juba. All of them are in Juba. And South Sudanese lawmakers summoned the ministers of defense, interior, and national security over the ongoing violence in Upper Nile State. We need to understand what is really happening because they are the ones taking the care of the security situation in the country. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in Jongule and central Equatoria states say 16 people were killed and more than a dozen others injured in separate incidents in one payam of Juba County last night. The head of police in Juba County says at least five security forces were killed in the fighting. Dengai Deng reports for VOA from Bor. My own attend why the Secretary General of Bor Community says at least 15 people were killed in four separate attacks last night, all in Mangala Payam. Why says in the first incident, an identified gunman suspected of being from the Central Equatorial State attacked a cattle camp belonging to Dinka Bor in Logo Boma of Mangala Payam and killed two women and a child. There was also another attack in. Uh on the badges going to war, and uh, that also has a certain number. What we are getting currently is that uh, in the badges, we have about four people killed, and uh, there are about uh, eight uh, currently injured, and are in Juba. all of them are in Juba Military Why says an IDP come in Gari village of Mangalapayam, where at least five people were killed and several others injured? He says some armed young men traveling from board to a cattle camp in Juba exchanged gunfire with the SSPDF soldiers in Mangala. There were uh, youth who were coming from war. Uh, who also are part of uh, the, the same cattle camps. So they are coming to come and uh, take their cattle to war. On the way coming, they were they, they fell into the ambush, kind of uh, miscommunication, mis- and uh, some of the youth lost their life. Government forces who were doing patrol on the highway and, uh, there was kind of misunderstanding between them and the youth. And uh, the security forces shot at the youth. They were coming at night and they were stopped. But of, the, of course, their car was speeding. And uh, in the process, they, 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 some indisciplined soldiers shot at their car. Why is calling on officials in Juba to intervene in Mangala Payam to prevent further violence in the area? We are asking the government as a poor community to protect innocent civilians who are in cattle camps because they are having rampant attacks on cattle camps since, since, uh, since January and it is continuing. Uh, these cattle camps are being attacked by organized groups and uh, the government has to come in and uh, help their situation. The situation is bad because those who are in cattle camps are innocent civilians and armed, and uh, they are being attacked. 
we have responded to the call from the government to move our people, to move the cattle come to Bor. And uh, in the process, they are being attacked, uh, which is uh, failing into ambushes on their way to Bor. Brigadier General Wilson William Adyang is the head of police in Juba County. He confirms the clutches in Mangalapayam and says five security forces were killed in last night's fighting. We have five personnel killed, two from police, one from national security, two others from other security departments, and and one from river soldiers. We have sent the security forces to stop the fight and make sure those farms involved are arrested and brought to book for justice. General Adyang is urging communities in Mangala to remain calm and allow the authorities to handle the matter. Last month, Central Equatorial Governor Emmanuel Adil ordered cattle keepers to vacate the area and return to their places of origin within three days' time. The order came after the reported killing of five. The order came after the reported killing of five civilians by armed herders in Ngejebe Boma of Juba County. Governor Adil warned cattle keepers they would be driven by force if they refused to leave the area. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. South Sudanese lawmakers have summoned the National Ministers of Defense, Interior and National Security over the continued violence in Upper Nile State. MPs also summoned the governors of Upper Nile, Central Equatoria and Jongole states as we hear from Waki Simon Wudu in Juba. John Aganye, spokesperson of the National Legislative Assembly, says lawmakers adopted the motion to summon the ministers last Wednesday. Agani says MPs want the executive to address why authorities have not been able to end months of deadly classes in Upper Nile State, including the latest incident in which an anti-militia group from northern Jungle State called the White Army is fighting with the Aguilete militia. Why our people, when the government of uh, Artiguno is in place, and our people are still killing themselves when we are already pleading for peace? So what is really the reason for the actors in the, of the government, uh, wing, uh, executive wing of the government? We need to understand what is really happening because they are the ones taking the care of the security situation in the country. Agani says the ministers of defense, the interior, national security, as well as the governors of Upper Nile, Central Equatoria, and Jungle states are all expected to appear before the parliament. The dates for their appearance have yet to be announced as administrative procedures by parliamentary leaders are still being worked out, but Agani says it should happen soon. Our voices must be heard, and we are not even going to fight. We are going to back up the president, and if it means that the president has to use force, we will back him to do it. Because the government is being tasked actually to, to, to bring security to each and every part of the country. Member of Parliament Henry Omai, who represents Fasoda County, the epicenter of the violence in Upper Nile State, says he doubts summoning the national officials before Parliament will make a difference. Omai points out that lawmakers have summoned the executive in the past over other issues, but parliament failed to follow up measures that would resolve the problems. Parliament, in my opinion, is actually toothless because they don't follow even the when you summon ministers after the hearing or whatever, nobody follows anything.
and no implementation. It's not the first time that we call them. They have been called many times, several times. But what happened? Nothing. Omai argues the magnitude of impunity in the country makes insecurity appear normal and unless the government starts holding people accountable who are behind the heinous killings and rights abuses being committed, insecurity will continue across the country. Omai cited anti-pastoralists who commit atrocities over and over, including killings and the destruction of settlements. There is no protection by the government, and there are people who are doing things with impunity. Nothing is done. Uh, people are killed. Uh, sometimes, uh, like cattle headers, they are being told, go back to your areas. But those who they kill, nobody cares uh, about them. Omai calls the killings war crimes which are not being addressed by the government. He says while a relative calm is returning to Fasoda County following the deployment of government troops to the area, many civilians have been displaced, their houses burnt to the ground. Omai says an unknown number of civilians have been killed. The lawmaker says the country's leaders are not fulfilling their obligation to implement the revitalized peace agreement. The agreement talk of peace, and there are many things to be done for peace to happen. Uh, but in my opinion, people are playing politics, and uh, we are also at a crisis nation that is also done now. It's in a crossroads if we are not careful, because sooner or later, even Somalia will be better. Warlords will take over, and then uh, the crisis will come, and then you will have no country. Two days ago, the UN Human Rights Commissioner called on South Sudanese leaders to urgently address the situation, warning that the fighting could easily spread beyond the boundaries of Upper Nile State. Volk attack says 166 people have been killed in the state over the last four months. Tak called on the government to investigate the violence and bring all those responsible to account in accordance with international law. For VN News, Amwake Simon Wudu in Juba. As the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit wraps up in Washington, many are wondering if the three-day affair will be viewed as a success. Thomas G., a distinguished fellow at the U.S. Institute of Peace's Africa Center, thinks it will be, particularly with trade deals. Sheehy tells VOS Carol Van Damme there is a growing interest by the U.S. in strategic minerals that are very important to Africa's energy transition, noting that over the last few months, there have been major deals announced to assist mining companies in processing critical minerals. There's a lot of irresponsible mining in Africa by China and other countries, and so it's very important that the mining be done in a way that is uh, economically uh, helpful, that doesn't uh, abide by labor and environmental rights. And so I'm pretty confident that coming out of the summit, there's going to be more deals, more support for mining companies to, to help the U.S. transition, but again, do so in a responsible way. And when you say in a responsible way, as opposed to China, be more specific. What, what is China doing? The mining sector been many, many uh, instances of abuses, reported abuses of child labor. That's well documented that in eastern Congo, for example, they're using children to mine cobalt. It's very uh, unhealthy. They're obviously not uh, using the, the correct equipment, the correct safety procedures. Children shouldn't be mining, period. 
so that that's a, an example, and, and you see that unfortunately in many parts of, of Africa. The other thing is just uh, transparency in the deals. Yeah, as you know, corruption is a big problem in many African countries. And how would it be structured so that you can try to weed that out before the the deals even get going? Well, obviously, uh, U.S. mining operations operate under very stringent uh, regulations and, and laws in terms of overseas operations, the uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So they have very high standards, and, and they have to be transparent and have to, and certainly can't engage in corruption uh, unless they they run the risk of uh, prosecution, and, and uh, those are very serious penalties. So I think part of the summit is the idea to entice more. U.S. companies to look at Africa and get involved in the mining sector. And I think with that, bring the higher standards. The other thing I would add, uh, Carol, is that it's very important to get African civil society involved. And uh, they can be a real pressure point for transparency. And so, for example, you've seen many Chinese infrastructure deals. The major $5 billion project in Kenya, the railway project, well, civil society is agitated and those terms have been revealed. The summit is viewed as the U.S. government's push or effort to reassert its influence in Africa as a counterweight to China's involvement. Is it looking like this summit was a pretty big success as far as that goes? I've been attending many events. I think people are very excited that it's back. As you know, it's been since 2014 since there's a summit. I think we're not going to go another eight years without a summit. I'm pretty confident there'll be a commitment to follow up. But with these summits, it's like anything. We really need to make sure some of the promises and deals are followed through on. That's Thomas G, a distinguished fellow at the Africa Center of the U.S. Institute of Peace in Washington. He was speaking with my colleague, Carol Van Dam. Listening to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. Coming up, U.S. President Joe Biden promises to support the African Union to join the G20 group. Find out more after this break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. Question today. How does your family take care of an elderly relative? Once in a while, we sit down with him, speak with him, ask him how he's doing so he doesn't feel lonely. Then we also tell him about what is going on in the world so that he doesn't feel left out. We make sure we provide the basic needs like food, water, make her happy, not to feel rejected. Because when they are growing and you start to abandon them, they see that they are not needed. And showing them love even brings them healing. Helping them with the domestic cures, for example, preparing meals for them, uh, helping them with the clothes, cleaning up the house. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. U.S. President Joe Biden on Thursday announced he would support the African Union joining the G20 group of large economies as a permanent member. Part of Washington's efforts to reinvigorate ties with a region that has taken a backseat to other priorities in recent years. Biden also enumerated billions of dollars worth of U.S. investments in Africa, both public and private, in remarks to African leaders in the continent's business community at a three-day summit. VOS Anita Powell reports. 
President Joe Biden says he's serious about Africa's success and has a serious plan to get the continent on better footing. Africa's economic transition depends on good government, healthy populations, and reliable and affordable energy. These things business seeks out when they're looking to invest. They attract new opportunities and they launch new partnerships. And the United States is committed to supporting every aspect, every aspect of Africa's inclusive growth and creating the best possible environment for sustained commercial engagement between Africa companies and American companies. The United States is all in on Africa's future. The second day of the three-day U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit focused on the one thing the U.S. has and that every African country needs, money. U.S. officials announced that they would give African nations $55 billion over the next three years, much of it directed toward health and climate projects. On Tuesday, Biden also announced an agreement between the U.S. and the new African Continental Free Trade Area and a range of other bilateral agreements that he said would unlock economic growth in the world's fastest-growing continent. And he said the U.S. is taking this relationship online by working with Congress to invest about $350 million in what he called the digital transformation with Africa. And this will include partnerships between Africa, African-American companies to provide cybersecurity services to make sure Africa's digital environment is reliable and secure. The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations told VOA that U.S. assistance won't be affected by African nations' reluctance to condemn Russia and cut ties over its invasion of Ukraine. We're not paying countries to vote for condemning Russia, and we're not threatening countries who decide not to vote. But we are appealing to them. We're appealing to their values. We're appealing to right versus wrong. And the new prime minister of Lesotho, also the richest man in the tiny southern African nation, told VOA's Peter Claudi that African leaders also want to see a 10-year extension of the African Growth and Opportunities Act, which confers duty-free status on some African exports. Uh, uh, we have just negotiated this morning with the senators that we need to extend AGOA by 10 years because it's coming to an end in 2025. So we have already started negotiations in that part. AGOA is very, very, very important to us as a country. The last summit that brought dozens of African leaders to Washington was eight years ago. But administration officials say their commitment to the mother continent is as strong today as it ever was. Anita Powell, VOA News, Washington. Ghana's President Nana Akufo-Addo says the military government of Burkina Faso has hired Russian mercenaries to help fight an insurgency in their country and is using a mine to pay them. Kent Mensah reports from Accra. Islamist militants have made increasing inroads into Burkina Faso, triggering two coup d'etats this year, one in January and one in September, as the military tries to re-establish control of the country. Experts believe Burkina Faso's current leader, Army Captain Ibrahim Trori, is using Russian mercenaries from the shadowy Wagner Group to fight the jihadists. Speaking Wednesday in Washington as part of the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit, Ghanaian President Nana Akufuadu expressed concern about the suspected development. Today, Russian mercenaries are on our northern border. Burkina Faso has now entered into an arrangement uh, to go along with Mali in employing the Wagner forces there. 
I believe a mine in southern Burkina has been allocated to them as a form of payment for their services. And to have them operating on our northern border is particularly distressing for us in Ghana. An official involved in the border security of Burkina Faso, speaking on condition of anonymity, commented on Akufuado's remarks in a test message to VOA. He did not deny the presence of mercenaries, instead saying, Burkina does not need foreign fighters, but equipment. We have men capable of fighting terrorism. Mukhtaru Mumuni Mukhtar, the executive director of West Africa Center for Counter-Extremism, WACCE, said the recent redrawal of European, mainly French peacekeeping troops from the Sahel, is a loss in the fight against jihadists. He said it will enable Russia's push to establish a strong foothold in Africa. Now that we're seeing the withdrawal of the French forces, which is followed by the other, you know, the other European partners, of course, it's a big, big blow to the region and to all of us here along the coast of, you know, the Gulf of Guinea. The Russian mercenaries are in there and they seem to be building some significant sense of uh, goodwill from the local population as against traditional European partners. And that should worry all of us. Mukhtar said focusing solely on using combat to fight terrorism in West Africa is not the best way to go, saying it failed in the Sahel regions. Combat measures are very important to hold territory and, you know, to, to stop this, this uh, extremists. But it's not enough to sustain any, you know, gains relating to combat, combating terrorism. You need to match it with significant, you know, non-combat measures, which is the people. And it's important that military measures uh, must be development-linked and must be linked to the realities of the problem. People don't just wake up to fight. Recently, West African leaders met in Accra to discuss terrorism and worsening security in the region. They resolved at the Accra Initiative to establish an anti-jihadist force within a month to protect toaster countries such as Ghana. Kent Mensah for VOA News, Accra, Ghana. We love your remarks on issues in this broadcast. We heard from several of you this week about continued violence in parts of the country. Mala Daumal from Bortown writes, Hello, VOA. The current conflict in Upper Nile State is a pointless war because these factions fighting themselves were one group rebelling against the government in Juba, and this triggers the question, what went wrong between the two rebel leaders? Guya Moses John, a South Sudanese refugee living in Kirayandongo camp in Uganda, says, Hello, VOA News. There is an increase in clashes and killings of people around highways of South Sudan. Please, the government in Juba should be doing more and the warring parties should be doing more to allow the return of refugees and the free movement of citizens of the Republic of South Sudan. James Fombo writes, Thank you, VOA, for the accurate updates every day. I would like our government to take the fighting in Upper Nile seriously because our people are finishing themselves. Ngoro Oliver from Meridi in Western Equatoria State writes, Hi John and Nabil, taking soldiers to the Republic of Congo is like sweeping someone's compound and leaving your own compound dirty with bushes. We the people of South Sudan want total peace. Let our leaders hear our voices. Mading Malwal Alwong in Juba writes, The decision of the High Court to acquit and dismiss charges brought against Kuelagwerkwel is very welcome and appreciated by the citizens. The government should compensate him for being in detention for almost two years. It means that the judiciary is independent from political actors. Let them clear the entire backlog of cases in the courts and free those who are illegally under detention. 
Samuel Ramon in Yaisez Hajjwan Tanza in Nabil Biagio. The African Leaders Summit held in the U.S. is a very good challenge to Africa's young leaders who have lived in the diaspora and those who are living within the continent. African leaders look at the mistakes of today so it doesn't happen tomorrow. Peter Gornanyang, but yet in Block 3 of Bortown writes, as SPLM members have appointed their flag bearer for the 2024 election, I urge all members to work for the betterment of all South Sudanese because the suffering population fed the SPLM during the 21-year struggle. So it is time to pay back the citizens who fought in the civil war. Thomas Kuntoj in Old Fangak Payam of Jongule State says, Hello VOA South Sudan in focus. The measles epidemic in South Sudan is a medical emergency which needs a very urgent intervention because it is a viral contagious disease which can spread easily amongst children who were not vaccinated since birth. More appreciation goes to the National Health Minister for the quick declaration and preparing for an intervention. Someone who did not identify him or herself writes, Good morning, John and Nabil. Thanks for keeping us updated on our national issues. I am deeply concerned with the case of child trafficking in South Sudan. The general must be removed from his position and justice must take its course. We are calling on the Minister of Interior as citizens to take action against the general. And finally, Joel Philip Kwanyan, Bore Town of Jongole State, says, Hello, VOA. It's unfortunate to hear that the lecturers at three public universities in South Sudan have gone on a strike for not being paid on time and they are demanding for a salary increase or better payment. I am also urging the government and watchdog bodies to be serious about putting education as the first weapon of fighting illiteracy in the country. They shouldn't be joking about it. Thanks. Their opinions expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or of this program. As always, we appreciate hearing from so many of you. Keep those comments coming. Keep your voice and text messages brief and we shall sample some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that's all we prepared for you this Friday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Shoriyako by Super Mazembe.
to Super Mazembe and the song Choriako. I am your host, Nabil Biagio in Washington. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Remember to join us next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Mama,